Well, hello, Parkway. How we doing today? How we doing? Hey, has anybody enjoyed summer soul care? Let me hear from you if you've enjoyed this series. Been so good. Um, man, from Pastor, when we just started on Wednesday nights, diving into the soul and the makeup of a, of a man and a woman, uh, to Pastor Clint uh, talking about pressures of life. Pastor Cody delivered a, me a wonderful message. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Nathan talked about trust. At, at one point, Pastor Dina talked about trauma and how to deal with it. Wednesday, if you were here, Pastor Brandon talked about rest. And man, just some really, really good stuff. And today, I am going to be talking about a subject that I've, I've never spoke on. I've never preached on this. Um, and uh, I don't know that I've heard a lot of people speak on it in the way that I'm going to today. And uh, I shared a devotion about this, and Pastor Nathan said, man, I really like that, and I think that's a, a, a topic we haven't touched in soul care, and so I want you to speak on that. And so I just want to make a disclaimer today. If you don't like this today, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Pastor Nathan, okay? So <laughs> I love you, Pastor. Uh, but what, I, what I'm speaking on today is joy and laughter joy and laughter and I think it's a key part of soul care and, and I got to give you a little bit of backstory on how we got to this message it's pretty unique um, for those of you that know I have two sons uh, one of my sons Noah he's sitting here on the front row and I'm so proud of him he's he's the he's the one that made me a daddy and then Nathaniel, my seven-year-old, uh, he made me question whether I want to have children again. <laughs> and now we got a third one on the way, so <laughs> go figure. Uh, but this, this message arised from Nathaniel, because if you know Nathaniel, man, he's a hoot, y'all. Like, he's crazy, he's funny, he's silly, he's brave, he's not afraid of anything. He's just full of life, and you never know what he's going to do. And you never know what he's going to say. And he said something to me and my wife a couple weeks ago when we were at camp. And it, it kind of rocked our world. Um, and, and so I want to share it with you. We were uh, at camp, serving at Collide Camp, the student camp. And we're driving on the golf cart. And we're just checking on camp. We're checking on students. We're checking on staff. We're checking on things are going. And Nathaniel, in the only way that Nathaniel can, goes... Hey, you know why I don't get sick that much? It's a very random way to start a conversation. <laughs> hey, you know why I don't get sick that much? And me and my wife, Theresa, said, Well, no, tell us why, buddy. You, you've got our attention. He said, Because I laugh a lot. He said, I, I laugh a, a whole lot. And he goes, And you and Mom and Noah, Noah, he threw you under the bus. He said, Y'all get sick way more than me. Because you don't laugh that much. Like, like we're just walking around like on suicide watch, you know, like we're, we're Eeyore, you know, like we've got a rope just ready to hang ourselves on something. Like, like we're just melancholy and depressed, you know, you guys don't laugh enough. And then he, he kind of doubled down. He didn't back off of it. He said, you know, laughter is like medicine. And I said, you know what, Nathaniel? I said, that's true. I said, there's a, there's a quote and it's a famous quote, and it says, laughter is the best medicine. And he said, yeah, I read that in a book, Dad. 
I was like, oh, okay, sorry that, you know, I was misinformed that you didn't know about that. And um, he, he continued on it. Like, Thressa and I are trying to defend ourselves. Like, we laugh. We have a good time. We're happy people. We're not upset. You know, we have bad days, but what gives, kid? And he goes, you know, y'all just laugh to laugh. He's like, I make myself laugh. And I was like, okay, you're a psychopath. <laughs> um, but, y'all, out of the mouth of babes, right? I went and looked it up. Do you know simulated laughter has the same effects as genuine laughter? And I'm going to tell you some effects that laughter has today when we get into this message. And it, it will blow your mind. I I hope today that you laugh. I hope you laugh a lot in this message. I hope you walk out of here with some joy. Um, I hope you walk out of here better than you came. Proverbs 17 and 22 says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Man, you need some cheer. You need some joy. You need some laughter for your soul, for your care of your life. I want to I tell you a few jokes this morning, and they're going to start out real easy and simple, and then they'll get a little bit more uh, complex. And, and hopefully you laugh at some of them. And uh, there's one at the very end I really want you to laugh at. But, you know, they say uh, if life gives you lemons, you do what? Make lemonade. Yes, everybody knows that. But I want to ask you, what happens if life gives you melons? You're dyslexic. <laughs> Take you a second, yeah. If you don't understand it, have somebody next to you explain it. Some of y'all are getting it now. Somebody over here got it. Uh, <laughs> I saw a post recently, and it said this. My husband and I have reached the difficult decision that we do not want children. We just don't want children. If anybody does, please send me your contact information and I can drop them off tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure some of you parents that have been hanging out with your kids all summer, that's how you feel. And this is, this is my last one. I heard it recently and it really made me laugh, so I hope it makes you laugh. They said there was a Catholic priest, a Baptist pastor, and a televangelist that all died at the exact same time, went to heaven at the same time, same day, and God was there to greet them. And they are excited. They are at the pearly gates. And, and God walks out and he's smiling. He says, welcome, gentlemen. So good that you're here. Uh, but I wanted to be the one that came and greets you because we've got a little minor complication. The angels are working on it. And they're like, minor complication? Like, what's going on? And said, well... We've got some unfortunate news. You're not going to like it, uh, but I promise it, it's going to be very temporary in, in, in the grand scheme of things. This is eternity. It's going to be very temporary. Uh, we have ran out of room here in heaven, and we can't send you back to earth. That would really freak people out. You know, they had the funeral everything. Like, um, we're going to have to send you to hell for a few days. <laughs> and they're like, what? And he said, look, just a few days. I promise you're going to go there. You're going to come back. I got it. I'm God. I, I, I promise I'm working on this. And uh, he said, I've already called Satan and we've made arrangements. It's just a few days. You're going to come right back. 
And, you know, they begrudgingly go because, I mean, what are you going to do, argue with God? And um, so they are down there for about 24 hours. And keep in mind, they need to go for a few days. And Satan calls up on the phone and he says, I need to talk to God now. Put him on the phone. And so the angels are like, go get God. Go get God. It's Satan. He, he needs to talk to him. And uh, God gets on the phone. He said, you got to get these guys out of here now. And God's like, what's the big problem? They're ministers. You've got way worse people down there than these guys. And he said, man, this Catholic priest has got everybody confessing and crying about their sins that they committed on earth. The Baptist pastor is saving all of them. And the televangelist has raised enough money in the last 24 hours that the AC company is coming out tomorrow. They've got to go now. they got to go now. I, I realize there's two types of people in here today. I'm not ignorant to the fact that some of you, you have joy. And your life is filled with laughter. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you just had a child. Maybe you've got the great job. Life is just clicking on all cylinders for you. But such is life. There's another half of you that you don't have joy. And you're looking for laughter like somebody looks for a needle in the haystack. Because maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you can't get pregnant. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you are in a dead-end job. And I want to let you know you have come to the right place today, whatever camp that you're in. Amen? You're in the house of God, and I want to give you some encouragement. Psalms 30 and 5 says, For his anger is but a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Can anybody testify that God comes through when you wait on Him, when you endure, when you hold on to your faith? I love what the message says in this version of this scripture. It says, the nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. I want to let somebody know today, God sees you when you're laying at night and you're crying and nobody knows what you're going through, but you and him, there's some laughter coming your way. There's not moments of laughter or minutes of laughter, but there's days of laughter that are coming your way. Luke 6 and 21 says, God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. I don't want to let you know that you might laugh, you may laugh, there's a chance that you laugh. If you endure this difficult season now, God says, I've got a blessing coming on your way. You will laugh. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you will laugh. You will laugh. I want to share with you a few ways that I believe that you can experience continual joy and laughter in your life because sometimes let's just be honest we lose our joy we lose our laughter we lose our happiness and I'm thankful that I can stand here today 
And man, I have been through a lot in my short time on this earth, but I've never lost my joy. There's been days when I didn't have joy. There's been days when I didn't have laughter, but I never lost it. You hear me? I never lost it. And I I think the reason that is, and I'm so glad my mom is here today. She's sitting up here on this side behind my wife. If there's two things that my mom has taught me better than anyone else, and it doesn't come close, one, she's taught me to be kind, and mom, I'm still working on that. Sometimes I'm a punk, so uh, I, I, I know it. Uh, but the second thing my mom has taught me is she's taught me faithfulness. She's been married to my father for over 50 years. She's been my mom for 37 years. She's been my mom the whole time. So she's, she's never let me down. She's never forsaken me. She's never not been there. But the thing that I appreciate the most about my mom, and uh, I, I don't want to get emotional, but there was days that I fought her on this, y'all. I fought her. Mom, do you remember when I was in junior high and high school and on Wednesday nights I would leave the house and I would go into neighborhoods and people's houses and the basketball courts and I I didn't want to go to church and you'd come driving around neighborhoods and you'd be hollering at me and you'd say, Sean, we're going to church. Where you at? (laughs) And she'd embarrass me. Mom, I want to publicly say thank you. I wouldn't be right here speaking to you today if it wasn't for a mom like that. I want to say to you parents real quickly, if you want your kids in church, you've got to be in the church. If you want your kids to be faithful to the house, you've got to be faithful to the house. If you want your children to be faithful to God in tough times, you've got to be faithful to God in tough times. That's probably the greatest lesson my mother has ever taught me. And it, it's, it's something that I see here in the Bible that King David represented more than anybody else. There was tons of kings that were mentioned in the Bible, good kings and bad kings. And, uh, you know, but what David did more than anything else is I want to show you here in Psalms 27, 4 through 6. He says this, and they're going to put it on the screen. The one thing, look at your neighbor and say the one thing. The one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. I want to tell you this. This is my first thing I want to tell you today. You want joy? You want laughter? Don't just visit the house of the Lord, but live in it. Don't just visit the house of the Lord, but live in it. Every time these doors are open, make sure you are here and you bring somebody with you. Because that is where your strength comes from. That is where joy comes from when you're going through difficult times and hard seasons. I can't tell you how many times... I've come up here to this front row and I've been going through some junk 
and the worship team begins to play and sing and I lift my hands and there's just something that comes over me that cannot be explained, that a therapist can't do, that a medicine can't do, that a drug can't do, that nothing in this world can do. When I get in the house and I live here, I don't just visit it, I live here. And, and, and David expands upon this in Psalms. And this is what he says. He says, if I live in the house, this is what will happen. He will conceal me when trouble comes. Because don't you know life is going to bring some trouble? It's not if. It says when trouble comes. The, the scripture doesn't say he'll conceal me if trouble comes. It says he'll conceal me when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of the reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Singing and praising the Lord with music. I want to encourage you today. You're all here today, so you get an A+. But next week, live here. The week after that, live here. The month after that, live here. The year after that, live here. Live in the house of the Lord. Plant yourself there, and you won't lose your joy. You won't lose your laughter, even when difficult times come. The next thing that I want you to do is count your blessings. Count your blessings Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I've always kind of misunderstood this scripture. I, I really didn't get it, but I want to break it down for you. The reason that this verse is in here, I want to give you some context, is because Jerusalem has been destroyed. Their cities, the, the communities their, their, their walls, their fortresses, their buildings have been turned into rubble. And during that time, the Jews had also walked away from their relationship with God, from their covenant agreement He had made with them. And their life was in ruins. So their city had fallen to ruins, and not only the city, but their life and their relationship and there's these two individuals, Ezra and Nehemiah, that show up on the scene and they start building back the wall, building back the city, building back the rubbles. And they get into Nehemiah chapter 8 and they've built the wall, they've built the city back. And Ezra starts reading to them the book of the law. And when he starts reading them to this, they have a realization Ever, anybody ever, you done something and you didn't realize how bad it was and then you start like talking it out or somebody explains it and you're like, oh, I really messed up there, you know? Anybody ever done that? You felt that? That's what's going on right here with these people. Ezra's reading them the book of the law and the agreement and the promise that God made them and they start realizing, oh my goodness, we walked away from all of this. And they start weeping, it says. And that's when Nehemiah, he, he pipes in and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be upset. Don't be sad. The joy of the Lord 
is your strength. And what he was saying there was, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your sins. You have a second opportunity to have a relationship with God. That should be something you rejoice about. Let's celebrate. Let's sing. Let's have some joy. And I want to let you know, no matter what you've done, God is a God of second chances, amen? And sometimes we can get caught up in our mess and our junk and our issues. And we can have shame come upon us. And we feel like we're not good enough. And, you know, you, you heard the old saying, you invite somebody to church and they say, well, man, when I get all my stuff together, I'll come to church. No, that's backwards. You come to church to get your stuff together. You come to church to get your joy back. You come to church to get your strength back. You come to church to get your hope back. You come to God to get back everything that you laid down. And that's what Nehemiah was saying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I can rejoice because he's a God of second chances. And he's not only a God of second chances he's a god of third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seven anybody can attest to that god has given you so many chances in this life are you thankful for that today are you thankful so let the joy of the lord be your strength if you're going through some tough times if you're going through something difficult I literally want you to go home and make a list. Make a list of everything God has blessed you with. I heard a, a story one time or a saying that said if we all took our problems and we, we labeled them and we laid them down like you would lay rocks on a pile and everybody could see what everybody else was carrying, you'd probably go pick back up your problem. I want you to think about that just for a moment. If we all laid down our problems, our gripes, our complaints, our issues on a pile for everybody to see, you'd probably go pick yours back up because there's somebody else that's dealing with something that's way worse than you. And that's when we've got to count our blessings and see how good God is. And I start listing these things off. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my pastor. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my sons. I thank you for my health. I thank you for a home to live in, a car to drive, a job to go to. I thank you for my friends, my family. When I start thanking God for everything that I've got and I start listing my blessings, everything seems a little less important. Paul did this in the New Testament, and I want to I turn your attention out of the Old Testament and into Acts 26 and 2. I want to tell you this, when I count my blessings, God's goodness doesn't make sense. When I truly count everything that God has done for me in my entire life, not just right now, God's goodness doesn't make sense and it doesn't make sense what Paul does in Acts 26 and 2 
He says this. He says, I think myself happy. And do you know where he did that? This is the second time in his ministry that he's been put in shackles. He's going to go to jail. He's going to be thrown in a Roman prison for preaching the gospel. And King Agrippa says to him, Hey, Paul, you're here on trial today. You're locked up for proclaiming the good news, for spreading the gospel, for talking about this Jesus. You've got your lawyers here. You've got everybody here. We've got the jury here. I'm here. What do you want to say? Do you want your lawyers to speak for you, or do you want to speak for yourself? And Paul goes, no, I'll speak for myself. I think myself happy. One translation is he says, I consider myself happy fortunate now how could he do that in shackles going to jail for the second time and he knew that he would probably die this time how can he do that well he looked back over his life and he was once Saul and he was persecuting Christians and he was throwing them in jail and he was mocking them and he was killing them And he was doing all this stuff, and he encounters God in this incredible way. And God says, hey, man, you were Saul, but now you're going to be Paul, and you're going to be on my team. You're going to be on my side. You're going to preach the good news. You're going to preach the gospel, and you're going to do wonderful things. And he is one of the most influential people in the Christian faith. You know how Paul could say, I think myself happy while he's in chains? Because he looked back over what his life could have been. I want to remind somebody today that you were once a sinner and you were lost and your life was going nowhere. And Jesus came and he plucked you out of the miry clay and he set your feet on a firm foundation. And you have something to be fortunate about today. Smith Wigglesworth, that's a real person, that's a real name. He was an incredible Pentecostal preacher in Britain, and he said this, and I think it goes so good with the attitude that Paul had there. Um, they asked him one time, he said, why? they asked him, how do you have so much joy? How are you so happy? How, how do you go about life with this attitude that you have? And he is a, a preacher. He, he, he's a, a man that spreads the gospel. He's a minister. And he said, this one simple thing helps me to keep my joy and my laughter and my happiness. He said, I never got over being saved. I think there's some of us in this room today, you've got over being saved. I've been there at times in my life. My heart and my soul has got calloused. To what God has done for me. And Smith Wiggleworth said, I never got over being saved. I never got over the goodness of God. I never got over his grace. I never got over his mercy. I never got over the fact that he went to a cross and he died for me. I never got over it. I want to challenge you today, don't get over what God has done for you. Don't let it become ordinary and normal. Let it be something that excites you and gives you joy and happiness that, hey, 
thank God my life was going one way, but now I've got a relationship with him, and he's doing some things in my life. He's changing me. He's helping me. He's leading me. He's guiding me. And I was going somewhere else, and now I've got God on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? There was a businessman that was traveling in the city of St. Louis, and uh, he saw a police officer in his hotel lobby. And he went up to the police officer and he said, hey, do you know of any good churches around here? I'd like to go to a church while I'm traveling. Even when I'm away, I want to be in the house of God. He had that attitude of David. I'm not just going to visit the house of God. I'm going to live in the house of God. And the police officer said, well, I'm not much of a church man myself, but I do recommend this one particular church. And the, the, the businessman said, well, why that one in particular? And he said, well, he said, I watch the people coming out of that church sometimes when I'm on patrol or I've had to do traffic there before. He said, they are the happiest looking church people in the entire city of St. Louis. And he said, I figured that would be the kind of church you want to attend. Laughter and smiling make a statement to the world about the God we serve. And man, I hope that the people of this community always say, man, those folks down there at Parkway, they are so happy. They're always smiling. They're always full of joy. They have strength in difficult situations and circumstances. And hey, guess what? When you have joy and laughter, it doesn't just bless you. It blesses other people because then they go, man, what makes you so different? How do you have joy when your life is falling apart? How do you hold your head high when things are not going your way? How do you smile when you should be crying? And you just sit back and go, I know a God that is greater than anything on the face of this earth. And he is mine and I am his. And let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. Laughter is good for your health. I told you earlier, Proverbs 17 and 22 said laughter is good medicine. So I want to tell you some interesting facts about laughter. Laughter relaxes the whole body. A good hearty laugh relaxes physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after laughing. Laughter boosts the immune system, it decreases stress hormones, and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, thus improving the resistance to disease. So laughter is like medicine. Laughter is like medicine. Laughter triggers and releases endorphins in the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being, and can even, catch this, temporarily relieve pain. Laughter protects the heart. It improves the function of blood vessels and increases blood flow, which can help protect you against heart attack and other cardiovascular problems. Laughter lightens anger's heavy load. 
Nothing diffuses anger and conflict faster than a shared laugh. Anybody you laugh when it's inappropriate to laugh? You're one of those people. Um, I got in trouble several weeks back. Uh, Ronnie, I'm looking at you, uh, some of the other men in the building. I, I was speaking on communication and how to be better communicators as husbands and fathers, mothers and, uh, and you know, wives and parents and kids and all this stuff. And uh, the, the guys, they came up to me and they were giving me some grief like, oh, man, Pastor Sean, we got to go talk about our feelings and communicate with our spouses and all that stuff. And, man, you're messing. So I, I want to give you some more advice. Okay, Ronnie, is that all right? I want to give you some more advice today. Um, you know, laughter can diffuse situations. So if, if you're a husband in here today and you tend to get in fights with your spouse from time to time, I want you to go to like Walmart or, or you know, some Target. I want you to buy a red bed sheet or a red tablecloth. And when you get in an argument with your spouse, you can go and you can put it on their back and say, hey, now you're not mad, you're super mad. <laughs> so that's it. I was just trying to help you out, Ronnie, all right? <laughs> that's going to diffuse the situation. Everything's going to be good. You, you know, you guys are going to kiss and make up, and everything's going to be great, okay? You put the red cape on the back and tell them, now you're not mad, you're super mad. So, uh, I want to give you some ways to promote laughter in your life. I want you to smile. Smile more often. Why don't you look at somebody sitting next to you and just smile at them right now? <laughs> what, yeah, some of y'all just didn't smile. You started laughing. <laughs> Look at somebody else and smile. Give them a goofy smile. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Smiling is the beginning of laughter. And like laughter, it's contagious. When you look at someone and see something even mildly pe pleasing... Practice smiling instead of looking down at your phone or being distracted. When you go through your day-to-day, -day, smile at people. You know what? It will bless you and it will bless them too. And you may just get a laugh out of it. You may make a friend. When you hear laughter, move toward it. People are generally very happy to share something funny because it gives them an opportunity to laugh again and, find, and, and feed off the humor that you find in it. The, the next thing I want to tell you is stop taking yourself and life so seriously. Stop taking yourself and life so seriously. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to do this right now. Um, it's going to look silly and stupid, but that's okay. Uh, Going back to Nathaniel, Pastor Nathan loves to see him walk into church every Sunday. Because this is how he walks, y'all. I can't even do it. I wish he was here. I wish I could get him out of kids. But you know, Pastor has those windows in front of his office, so we, we park on this side of the church. And, and this is how Nathaniel walks when he's in a good mood. He does this. And, you know, there, there was one time he walked in like that on a Wednesday night. And pastor, pastor was counseling somebody, and, and Nathaniel walked like that, 
And then he got up to his glass window and he did this number right here. He just put his face on it and just looked in there like that. And he, Pastor Nathan said it was kind of a tense moment uh, with whoever he was speaking to. And they just started laughing. And you know what? We, we walk like this, you know, real cool, you know. And Nathaniel's just over there. Like, you know, because guess what? He doesn't take himself seriously. He doesn't care what you think about him. Little children just do what they want to do, and they don't care about the opinions of others. And I think there's a secret sauce in that, that we've got so caught up in what other people think about us, that we take life so seriously, and we get so stressed, and we worry so much, and we, we, we get anxious about this thing and that thing, and oh my God, what are they going to think, or what are they going to say, and well, what if I do this, and what if I do that, and I'm just, ah! And Matthew 18, 3-4 says this, this is Jesus speaking, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I, I want to I tell you, find your inner child again. Pay attention to children because they're the experts on emulating fun and joy and laughter and take life lightly and laugh at ordinary things man little kids find stuff funny that we're like what are you laughing at for but laugh with them join them in their laughter join them in their fun it'll take the stress away it'll take the worries off your mind when you're laughing you're not going to be thinking about that bill that you got to pay when you're laughing, you're not going to be thinking about that fight you had with a friend. When you're laughing, you're not going to be thinking about the deadline that you've got to meet at your job. And I'm not saying go around and just forget about your responsibilities, but stop taking life so seriously. None of us get out alive. <laughs> Took you a second to get that, but none of us get out alive. I think the reason that Jesus said this, this is just me, this is just Sean Cass's interpretation. I think that maybe the disciples had kind of got too big for their britches. That's an old saying right there, you know, too big for their britches. The, the little children, they want to run up and they want to be with Jesus. And they're almost like bouncers at a club, like, oh, no, 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 you, you can't get in here, you know, like. <laughs> You, you're not a VIP. You're, you're, not, you're, not on the, you're not on the list to come and hang out with Jesus. Only the 12 disciples are. Or like unless Jesus wants to do a miracle with you or, or pass by. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Let the little children come and, and hang with me and spend time with me and be in my presence. They had found something that I think we forget about. You know, to a little kid, when they see something important or special or cool, they just want to be around it. They just want to be in the presence of that thing. And they had heard about this Jesus guy and all the incredible things that, that he had done, and they just wanted to be with him. 
And I think we lose sight of that as adults, that there's so much joy and strength and peace and goodness when I'm just with Jesus. When I'm just with Him. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think about anything when I just rest in His presence. Jeremiah, Noah, Aiden, can, can y'all come up here and help me all four of y'all? And I need, I need five other people real quickly. Just come up here. I, I need your help. I'm gonna, I want to give you a visual aid as I'm closing out this message. Aaron and Carly, would y'all come help me? Come on, come on. All right. One. Oh, oh don't trip. There we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I need one more person up here very quickly. One more. Come on. You got it. I'm going to give you guys some signs. And uh, I'm a real visual learner. Anybody a visual learner? It helps you to see things. All right, Kimberly. You're going to be God. <laughs> She's excited. She's excited. All right, so you, you guys just take a sign. Take a sign. I gave you two. Well, give, 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 give them one. Here, take that one. Take this one. Take that one. Take, yeah, you probably don't know what those things are. <laughs> Y'all spread apart a little bit, a little bit. He got the bad one. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had to be Uncle Pat in freedom, so you can get over it. Uh, if you, you'll find out what that means when you go to freedom. Uh, the last point that I want to give you today, and I'm asking our worship team to come forward and get ready. After I give you this visual, I want to give you an opportunity to just come spend some time with Jesus in the altar Everybody, whether you've got joy or you don't got joy to hear, I, I want to invite you to come up and just be in his presence. Psalm 16 and 11 says this, if they could put it on the screen. You make known to me the path of life. And I want you to catch this. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. I, I want you to key in underline, highlight, whatever you do in your Bible, the fullness part. There is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What I want to show you right here is this is the relationship that I'm supposed to have. It's supposed to be God here, and I am at His right hand. And when I'm next to Him, and I'm right next to Him, I can have fullness of joy. You see that when I'm at his right hand? What we do sometimes, these are all, most of these things up here, we'll get to some of the other, there's nothing wrong with family. I can get incredible joy from my wife and my children, but I cannot get fullness of joy. You sticking with me? I can get joy from my career or my job or my achievements, but I cannot get fullness of joy. My friends, my friends can give me that. Sometimes Fox can give you that and CNN, but sometimes you watch it and there's things that you disagree with or it gets you scared or worried. 
social media, I go to there and I try to see funny things or what somebody's posting about, and it starts out as a good path, but then somebody posts something and it triggers something in me, and I don't have joy anymore. And then maybe my, my marriage is struggling, and I go to porn, and I just say, well, it's just one clip. What will it hurt? You know, it, it'll bring me some joy. It'll bring me some satisfaction, but it doesn't. Or, or then maybe I go to drugs, and I say, well, it's just it's one pill to kind of take off the tension, to, to get me relaxed, and, and then I'm hooked. Or then I say, it's just, it's just one drink because I've had a stressful day, and maybe this can give me some joy. And I get myself caught up in here and God is way over there or I get myself caught right here and God's still pretty far away and then maybe these are all things that are unhealthy maybe I move sort of into a healthier spot and and I'm right here I'm watching news I'm checking social media and I'm trying to get my joy there but I don't have fullness of joy And then I hang out with my friends, but maybe my friends aren't available. Or my friends betray me. Or my friends move away. Or their life is going into a different season and we don't connect as much as we used to. Or or maybe my career is trucking along and I've got a lot of joy in it. But the economy slows down and I get laid off. Maybe I have incredible joy in my family, but something happens there. There's a tear, there's a rift, there's a heartbreak, there's a fight, there's an argument, and I don't have fullness of joy. But when I get right here, and I get close to God, I have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And these things are just additions onto my life. You see, sometimes what we try to do, I want you to come way over here. I want you to go on that side. We try to say, okay, well, I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to focus on my career. I'm going to focus on friends. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. And when I get all of this right, when everything's right, and I got joy in these areas, well, then I'll put God in in the equation. Or when I conquer these things and I'm not dealing with them anymore, then I'll add God into the equation. You know, I wasn't that great at school in math. Anybody really good at math? But I I do remember one thing. I've got a very good memory. There's there's this thing called PEMDAS. (laughs) It's the order of operations, parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, adding, subtracting, and you've got to follow the order of operations to get the equation right. Somebody with me? I think as believers, we've got the order of operations so messed up, and we wonder why we don't have joy. Kimberly, come back over here. You guys can put those sides down. Go put those on the altar. Y'all stay here, and you can go be seated. What happens... In Deuteronomy, it says, if I seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things will be added unto me when I get at His right hand. And I put God first in the equation. And I get into His presence. And I experience His joy. That's when I can experience true joy 
in these areas of my life. But if I get it wrong and I try to go to this thing first or that thing first, none of these things, are. there's nothing particularly wrong with them. But if that's where I'm seeking my joy and my laughter, it will never be right. The equation will never work. And I want to encourage you today, get on the right hand of God. Get your life on the right hand of God. Get your family on the right hand of God. Get your finances on the right hand of God. Get your marriage on the right hand of God. Get your relationship at the right hand of God. And that's where you'll experience fullness of joy. You guys can set those down and be seated. Thank you. I want you to stand with me across the room. If you're here today... And you've been trying to get your joy in some of those places that I had on those signs. I want to let you know you're in the right place today. You're in the right place to spend some time in His presence. And in His presence, there is fullness of joy. Look at your neighbor and say, fullness. There's fullness of joy. They're about to sing and as they begin to sing in just a moment, I want to invite you to the front. And I want you to not only sing with them, but I want you to declare the goodness of God. There's a song that I was listening to in preparing for this message, and it's an old song. And it's called Trading My Sorrows. Some of y'all may know that. It says, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. And back in my day, man, I went to a church that had a little bit of soul in it. We're talking about soul care. And uh, man, we would get the, the sopranos, they would get high and they'd go, yes, and then the guys would come in and they'd go, for the rest of our days. And we'd all get excited and shouting and celebrating. And you know what? I, I thought about that this week in preparing for this message. Some of y'all need to trade some stuff at this altar that you've been carrying for far too long and pick up some joy from Jesus. Anybody want to pick up some joy today before you leave? <laughs> 